All right, another edition of Side by Side Podcast. My name is Sam. I'm your host. And today I have the privilege of having Josue Padilla on the show. Thank you, brother, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you, man. Hey, um, I want to like just jump right into it and, and get to know you a little bit and have you know my audience get to know you a little bit. Um, you were director to our, um, you know, was it region or district? Region. Well, region. Explain both, it for me. Both, both, but I've I've kind of I've been in the church uh, for a long time. I've been mm-hmm. I've been I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, my dad's a pastor. I grew up uh, in the church. Uh, been just about everything except for a women's director. Uh, <laughs> right. I worked with Sunday school. I worked with youth. I worked with uh, okay. you know just media and sound. I was a musician at one point, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, and uh, it, I call it an emergency musician. My one time. Mm-hmm. Our main musician left, and my dad came to me and said, uh, we need a musician, so you need to learn how to play something. Wow. So I learned how to play the piano. Okay. And so uh, then I became worship leader from there because that was, I guess, you know, in the Latino church, whoever plays is the one who sings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> and so that's that's kind of where, where, you know, my kind of life just gets started. Wow. But, uh, yeah, then I became a local youth leader. Then I became district youth leader. Wow. And then uh, on my last semester of Bible school, uh, I got elected uh, to be the regional youth director, which covered Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Louisiana, Man. And Arkansas, I think how, it was. How did all, all that like kind of transpire? Like, did it just you, you know, know th- that one is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah. I was I was on the board. I was on the board for the youth ministry for okay. the region, and uh, like I said, I, I was on my last semester of Bible school, so I never thought that it was right. going to happen. And then Brother Pagan, who uh, you know, I guess a lot of people know Brother Victor Pagan. Sure. He was the the regional director uh, or the administrative bishop. And he called me and he goes, look, your name has been put in the wow. in the pot for the election. And there were other people that were more qualified, in my yeah. opinion, than me. And I told him, you know what? Go ahead and put me in there. I know nothing's going to happen, you know. And right, so I right. just kind of took it. And uh, like probably like four days later, he called me. I remember that I was in, in, in school and he called me and they used to call us in the public phone that was in the main uh, lobby. So I answered the phone. He told me. You know, you've been uh, proposed to be the youth director, yeah. blah, blah. And I said, OK, whatever. I hung up and went back to class. Then like uh, four days later, I got a, a, I get a call from the secretary again at the at the public phone. And they're yeah. like, hey, they're calling you. And the first thing that he said is, I just want to say uh, good morning to my new regional youth director. And I was like, what? <laughs> wow. So it just kind of happened unexpectedly. A good friend of mine, Augie Moreno. Uh, he was the director before, and I guess he's just the kind of the guy that threw the. Wow. He ke- he always kept on telling me, "You're going to be director one day. He, you're going to be director." So I guess hmm. my guess is he threw my name in there and and gave a good reference, I yeah. guess. And so, and I took it, and uh, I remember doing my last semester. I I would do my my work, my papers on my way to the airport. I'd do them at night after preaching, wow. and then I would travel back directly and drive straight to class and That's turn wild. in all my homework and everything. So it was, it was, it was fun. I don't know how I did it, but it was fun. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean that's that sounds crazy to me. Let me ask you, it, the church that you grew up in, the, the church your pastor um, pastors, um, is it a fairly big church or like is it like a decent size? At, like at a, that how? time, we were probably running about two hundred and fifty, which was one of the bigger churches at the time. This is. Oh. 
98. Uh, and then uh, right now, my dad's church is probably pre-COVID about 400. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Before, about but 400. But we started with, my t- my dad took the church with 27 people. So wow. uh, I started in a small. So it was a small church. Yeah, That's it was where I was church. trying to get at. Like, So you, you did all this. You had this type of career, and I'm sure like it's still going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like from a small church, you know, typically I feel yeah. like sometimes it, it happens more from like a, a bigger church, you know, that maybe yeah. has 500. No, I, I was your, your typical underdog. Wow. Yeah, I was your man. typical underdog who I, which like I'm telling you when, whenever my name was put into that election, there was other names from people that had gone out right. of Bible school already. Uh, they were, they were already, you know, right. But, what, but when God <laughs> puts his hand on you, right. And when he has a calling over your life, you know, similar to maybe like David's life, right. Yeah. And where it's like, you know, he looks at his brothers and thought they were way more qualified, bigger, stronger, whatever. Um, but, you know, God looks at the heart. And, he and, and it's funny that you say that because in my story, like my ministry story, that was precisely the story that 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 brought me. I was I was studying architecture. I was going to this was this was the way that I had told God that I was going to serve him. Like I was telling God. This how you're going to do with me. <laughs> Your plan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, sure. like, like if God needed some help, <laughs> I told him, look, yeah. um, I don't I don't have anything good to give in, in my opinion. Mm. And so what I'll do is I'll be an architect because I used to always hear the pastor saying architects are too expensive. Mm. We will never build. We'll just buy a place and we'll remodel it, you know, and like stuff like what you guys did here yeah. uh, was not even in perspective back in the right. in that time. So my idea was if I can become an architect, I can help the churches by doing the either pro bono or super cheap. Yeah. And and my idea was uh if it happened outside of the country, I would go, I would help them build a building, then I would preach the first sermon and in that service <laughs> I would give the keys to the pastor and wow. say here's your building. That was my plan. Well, Brother Victor Pagan then eventually becomes the director for the Bible school mm. uh, at some point. And, but before he became the director as, as an administrative bishop in California, he came to one of the graduation services and he looked at, right at me. Wow. I, don't know, I don't know why, but he looked at me and, and he said, the Lord says to you, you know, that God is not calling you to build buildings, but to build his church. Wow. And I just kind of brushed it off and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, went back to to architecture school and it, it was Eastfield college. It wasn't like a big, big architecture school, but, uh, apparently we used the book from the actual author of the book. So I guess we had a good guy. Yeah. So my point is I was, I was studying that. And then, uh, uh, I went to camp to pick up the kids. My dad went to go drop them off. And then he said, I need you to go pick up all the kids that went to camp. And so I went and that day, brother Joe Rosa was preaching a sermon, uh, about David precisely. And mm-hmm. he was talking about how when others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. Wow. And uh, those that play on words just kind of stayed in my mind. And I was just kind of like, what does God see in me? Because wow. I have a... Uh, a story that's not too too pleasant about my life, you know? And so I always thought that I was disqualified already because of what I had gone through. Right. And so I told God, you know, this is how you're going to use me. I'm going to do, yeah. I'm going to build buildings and then you're going to let other people pastor them. And that play on words is what, what really got a hold of me. And, and I always wonder what does God see in me other than what I see in myself? Right. You know, and I disqualified myself at a young age. I, I would look in the mirror, you know, like when you're done with the shower and you're doing your muscle thing, you know, and the whole thing. Right, right. And I would look at myself and I said, you're filthy, man. You're just wow. horrible. You're 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 not going to amount to anything because of that experience. Not because of 
anything that I didn't think I could be. It was just because of the experience that I had gone through, and maybe we'll talk about it. But but the whole the the whole uh, I say this to you because whenever that camp happened, I had told myself this can't be. I I have other plans, right. and and in that camp, Brother Joe Rosa actually said to me, uh, "You know what? God has something for me to tell you." And he said to me. Uh, your decision to serve me will make a difference wow. in thousands of people down the road. And I was like, thousands, come on, you gotta <laughs> be kidding me. And, uh, but I believed it. Like there was something in there that was part yeah. in the word, you know, it was a prophetic word. Uh, you have to be very careful with it, but I just, it, the spirit gave me witness of it. And, yeah. and I went back from that camp after picking up the kids and I told my mom, I'm not going back to architecture school. Uh, that almost killed her because right. she wanted us to get a career in wow. something. And I told her I'm going to Bible school. And I, I literally dropped everything uh, oh. from what I, two years of drafting and math and all the other stuff that I've done. And I just went left and went to Bible school. Yeah, but I think, you know, you, you mentioned it and, and it really does, the story of David kind of correlates a lot. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, Pagan and you mentioned uh, the brother that gave you the prophetic work. Mm -hmm. Yes. And where like, it's almost like that anointing, like from Samuel, where he, he came over, um, David, right, mm -hmm. and and gave him um, way before he even began, you know, yeah. his his kingship or, or whatever, um, and so it's just because uh, I'm sure it didn't happen right away, right? It wasn't no, just like it, uh, it didn't, and I and I it, it took the two years of Bible school, like the whole two right. years of Bible school. I'm just being a student, and it was that last semester when Brother Pagan called me, and he's like, I said, I'm still studying, bro. I'm not yeah. having <laughs> even graduated. He's like, but the elections are now, and I was like. That's when I told him, I said, I go ahead. I said, I'm not going to win anyway, so but go ahead and put me in the, in the throw, throw the little paper in the hat, yeah. you know, and then pull it. And let's see what happens. You know? It's incredible, though, because, um, you know, uh, you mentioned that you had your your plans and, mm -hmm. and God has his plans. Yeah. Um, and they're always better than our plans. Um, but it's just, you know, to see it actually like happen. And, you know, I'm sure for you, uh, you didn't feel prepared or whatever. I know. Uh, I didn't even tell my parents that I was youth director for about a week. <laughs> like I, I didn't <laughs> like I didn't tell them that they called me to ask me, and then I didn't tell them that I was I was elected. Wow. I was like, they're not gonna believe it. They're gonna be like, you yeah. you're not even <laughs> done with school, you know, you know. And, and 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 that was the the I guess the the love story of the whole thing. You know that it was it was just like I said the underdog. It was right. the the unexpected kind of. Uh, I did work under my dad a long time i mm. was that kid with the 50 keys in a kitchen like every key my dad had uh, i had a copy of it and cool. i walked around and if some room wasn't open i opened the church i opened the you building have brothers though right so yes. like were they the same uh, like you like where you were just shadowing your dad or, or no, no no it was it was me i remember as a little kid my dad would go preach in guatemala we're from guatemala okay i came here when i was 10 and i remember traveling with my dad to his campañas his services wow. revivals and and it'd be it'd be cool because on the way back we'd stop at McDonald's, you know, I, I don't right, know if right, I went right. more because of McDonald's <laughs> or the service, but I, I remember doing that. Like I, I've all, I was always with my dad. I was always visiting people. Mm. I would fall asleep in people's couches. Uh, I probably know problems about people more than anybody else should yeah. know at that age, but then I'd crash out and then I'd forget whatever. But I know that we were there cause there was a big issue happening. You know? Right, 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 right. But, uh, so it, it was interesting because I, I kind of, God kind of hadn't been. Yeah, he was prepping you literally. Like yeah, kind of like setting me up for it, you know. And and then you know, just me disqualifying myself was not because I didn't think that I wanted to do it. It's just that I thought that I didn't qualify to do it. You know, to yeah. be redundant. Well, um, 
before like we we get to your like uh testimony because I do want to get to it I think it's a it's a powerful uh testimony and it's one that I don't think it could ever be said enough I think yeah. that for sure uh people need to hear a testimony like that in fact uh when I first heard first heard it cuz uh, I heard it years ago um and uh, I saw it off of uh, YouTube. I think it was uh, I am second, right? Yes, that that was another miracle. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, so- yeah. I I wasn't expected even to to be to have a video. I I was actually sitting in my house, uh, and and I'll make this quick. Uh, yeah. Discouraged. I was going through another issue, uh, and somebody called and they called the phone and I answered and it was this was what by and I was like yeah. He goes, my name is Oscar Castillo, and uh, somebody gave me your number. I'd like to have lunch with you. We're doing this. And I was like, you know what? You're calling the maybe the right guy, but at the wrong time. Like, I didn't think that Mm. that was the moment. He was insistent. He's like, let's just do breakfast, and if it doesn't work out, that's it. And I ended up uh, becoming the strategy coordinator for I Am Second. Wow. uh, For the Spanish side, the Yo Soy Segundo side. And I was able to travel to Colombia a couple of times and train people in Colombia and stuff like that. So it was another unexpected uh, situation. That's that's a wild because I Am Second is huge. Yeah. yeah. um, From what I know, like I've seen them like... Uh, I had seen their billboards. I had seen all the famous people on them yeah. and everything. And I was like, wow, that's a cool thing. And then I get a call to to work with them. And I was like, I don't know. So I went to a couple of meetings just kind of like, you know, looking from afar. Yeah. And little did I know that I was going to be. So then on my sec- on my first trip, that's when for the very first time I publicly told my story. Wow. And so. How's I, that? Is that scary? super scary because now the cat's out of the bag and now and so i remember that i I, and i was very limited in in the information but in colombia apparently there's a lot of of that yeah (laughs) and so it really opened up like a can of worms i guess you could say and and god had been orchestrating all of that because then they asked me to record uh with one of their cameras over there my my story and we sat down we brought the camera we put everything ready to record it and the battery went out within the first 30 seconds of the That's thing. The like, I right forgot. Well, think about no? this. If I, if we would have recorded it, I probably would have never recorded it oh. on the second time. Oh. But God had kind of prepared my heart to know, okay, you're going to tell your story. Mm. But he didn't allow me to say it over there. He, he killed the battery on the camera right over there. So then I came and I was like, good, I don't have to tell my story. You know, like <laughs> there's nothing. And then when, when they took me to lunch to... to just give me a report of everything that had happened uh, in Colombia. That's when they said to me, look, there's this one spot we're filming in a, in a week. There's this one spot that we fill it and it drops and fill it and it drops. We fill it and they quit on us or they say they, they had a schedule change. And then they told me, we feel like you have a story to tell. And I was like, oh, no, here we go again with that part. And uh, so I talked to my family and I talked to them and I said, look, I'm, I have the opportunity because it's it's a big deal. Right. So I talked talk to my family. Everybody was on board, my brothers, my my father, my mom. And so that's when we decided to film it. But it was it was also an unexpected, uh, unscheduled situation. Before we, again, get into it, can I ask, did you get criticized for it? Because I feel like for me, I like that's so brave. But I also feel like there's people that could be like really mean or be like, you shouldn't say that. Especially in the Latino world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the Latino world, you protect the last name, you protect the, 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 
culture, you don't talk about that right. stuff. You sweep it under the rug. Right. Uh, I, I really feel like that's a bi- that's a real thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I know, like personally, like even within my family, like the, there's some of that that that's happened. Mm-hmm. And um, there's it's like just, a taboo topic. Yeah. Like, like the, you don't, don't you don't talk about that. Yeah. Like you know, I, I, we like don't you care know how it bad happened, it is. But, yeah. but you act like it's a. Yeah, and it's an elephant in the room, really. Right. <laughs> but you know, so I keep I keep postponing it. T- talk to me about it. Tell tell me tell me what like what happened. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because in in Colombia I spoke about certain parts. I told my family. My family knew about certain parts of the story, and then the day of the filming, uh, something came out that had never been said. Wow. I had always told my family that I had been molested as a as a teenager um, between the ages of 13 and 15. Uh, we had a, a, a family friend uh, that had sent one of their children to the U.S. Uh, to live with us. They, you know, he's taking a break from school, whatever, during sure. the summer, came over to the U.S. My parents, we have hosted hundreds of pastors, wow. you know, brother Pagan, brother, uh, you know, just all the people, church of God, sure. assemblies of God. My dad was a minister with the assemblies of God. And so having people at our house was not anything new or different, but this one was a little different because they just sent the kid that he didn't come with the family. Oh. When I say the kid, he was already 20 something, you know? Wow. And so I was 13, 14. And so, uh, I had told my family that he had molested me, that he had, touched me inappropriately uh in our bedroom but this was in the middle of the night this was once like the whole i am second thing i know this is this is way before this is yeah this is this is when i was 12 you just never get it okay and i i didn't tell my parents for 10 years what had happened and so i uh this guy comes from from guatemala he's staying in our house i'm not doing anything but being a kid of the house and then uh it started happening. Like I would wake up and I was being molested and uh, kept quiet because it's a shameful thing. And then other than that, the manipulation from the individual, if you say this, then this is going to happen. They're going to hurt me. Your parents are going to get mad at me. And it started escalating to the point that at, that at some point he told me that if I said anything, that it was going to be shameful to the family and my dad was going to lose the church. And then he asked me, and do you want to be the reason why your dad loses the church? And so, of course not, you know, and then it escalated more to a point where he said, if you don't, if you say something, then I'll do it to your brother. And I was like, okay, well, you know what, let's just, I'll, I'll keep the silence and you don't do this anymore. It's horrific. And so, um, sorry about the. No, I mean, it's, 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 uh, I can't even begin to imagine like the, just the physical and the psychological, emotional, mm-hmm. like it's all together, all in one. And um, for you to be so open about it and talk about it. like And and, and this is the, the reason why I felt disqualified. You know, uh, everything that I was saying earlier, I felt disqualified because uh, that's that's not the story of a minister. Right. That's not the story of a preacher. And so I had, uh, I guess, programmed myself to just be, an outside guy, because to me, the, the, the altar was a holy place. It was a sure. place where that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And, and so I was like, okay, well, whatever plans might've been, they're gone, you know? And so it, 
it's, it started happening two, three months, and then uh, until that unwanted day. But what I was going to say to you is that my parents had had known about that uh, for a couple of years by, by the time the I Am Second video comes out. Um, and I had told my dad, and I said, Dad, look, I just want you to know that this this happened, blah, blah, blah. And it was 10 years later, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, we never did anything. I said, well, I never said anything, so it's not on you. Right. You know, it's 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 really... I don't think any of us planned it. I don't think anybody at home said, hey, you know, we're going to bring this guy in for this to happen. It just happened, you know. And so uh, it, it was uncomfortable. It was it was bad. It was, you know, got man very manipulative. Uh, you know, he would just say, you know, I'm just trying to help you. You're trying to develop. I'm trying to teach you stuff. But in the process of that, it, it just kept escalating and escalating until, uh, you know, it, it just... It, it got to a, to a point of it being a nightly thing. You know, it wasn't like an eventual thing. It was just like a nightly thing. And uh, I remember I had, we had a bunk bed. He slept in the bottom bunk. I slept in the top bunk. And that made it very easy for him to, you know, to do whatever he wanted to do. And uh, and so I, I, you know, just going going into that is that was the part that I told my family because I felt that if I didn't say it all, I was saving them from pain not knowing that I was holding myself hostage to more pain in my personal life. And it wasn't until that video, there's something about a camera lens <laughs> yeah. that, that just kind of draws it out of you. And for the first time in my life, I, I actually, expressed the fact that I was raped in my own house, in my own bedroom, uh, that night he had switched off with me and he said, why don't you sleep in the bottom? I'll sleep in the top. And I said, sure, no problem. And so I slept in the bottom and in the middle of the night, that's when it happened. And, uh, I, I had never, I had never said anything about it until I said it to the camera that day. So then that made things more interesting because then now when the video comes out, I have to go tell my parents, look, there's something in the video that you don't know. And so I requested for I Am Second to provide me the video a week before it was released. Wow. And I kind of pre-screened it with my family um, a week before it came out. What was what was that like with your parents watching it together? Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, it's 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 fun. Not funny. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, I know for, for like, a lot of us sometimes... Even even like when you're watching a movie, you watch a scene that's like a little like, you know, has something anything to do with sex, and you're just like, everyone's kind of like yeah. awkward or whatever. Yeah. But this well, is about I, you. I I played the video and I walked out of the room. Like I said, I want y'all to watch this, uh, and I walked out. And and I I came back when the video was done, um, and it was just a complete silence. It was just sobbing and and tears and. And not knowing what to do, feeling helpless, hopeless <laughs> for a lot of things. But at the same time, it gave them a sense of of strength that to see that where I, because by this time, I am a full-blown minister. Yeah. I've been preaching gospel. I've been youth director. I've been right. Sunday school teacher. I've, so now they're wondering, how did you yeah. do all of that? after going through that right right no i i think 
like heroic, you know, and just like courageous, it, it's not, it doesn't do justice to, to what you did because you're know, talking about something like that. Like nobody does that. Nobody talks about those things. You know, nobody, you know, opens up about them because of the shame, because yeah. of the guilt. And which leads me to my next question. Like, why do you think, you know, and I don't know if it's, if it comes off insensitive, but like, why do you think people feel like it's their fault? Like, why, why do you think like, it's like it's, it's a it's a it's a manipulation process and it's a it's a diabolic uh feeling that the enemy just uses about guilt um it's a it's a it's a thing that is like i said forbidden to talk about and so then together with that comes remember the garden of eden you know all we did was ate the fruit but the shame that came with yeah. with realizing like th- think about this for a second and, and, and I'm going to be very candid. Being a virgin, not knowing about sex, not having had the talk with my father or my mother, not being, you know, told about what sex was. It's incredible how sin will expose you to everything at once. Because mm. it goes from, I don't know anything except what this person has done to me, to then all of a sudden, the moment that it happened, it was it was more of a, you let this happen like you ate the fruit mm. you know and so the shame that comes with it the pain that comes with it the loneliness because who are you gonna tell yeah so so you you can't rely on the person because that's the person that hurt you you can't rely on the ones that can protect you because you think that they're gonna shame you for it yeah. uh culturally speaking a lot of our, 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 our parents probably even went through it themselves and they're not ready to talk about it. Right. And, and, uh, and I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying they know a cousin or, or somebody sure. or an uncle that did it or, or, or shame within their family. And so it's those things that you don't really mention or talk about. And then so here is, you know, this was a couple of months after the whole Catholic uh, fiasco with the priest you know molesting the children in the catholic church and everybody's pointing and saying the catholic church is bad the church the the priests are bad and then here's this guy coming out saying hey it happens in the christian church too by the way what happens everywhere you know but 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 the thing is we've been so shielded by all of this by by it doesn't happen here that then all of a sudden this former youth director son of a pastor leader of the region uh, nation you somehow nation evangelist comes out and says hey by the way let me tell you something that happened to me when i was this age so then that's where the shame comes like like the not not the shame the shame mean that where people right. are like why did you do that like you're about to ruin your ministry you're about to ruin your life you don't talk about that stuff and i mean including the administration of the denomination right. that i work with they were like we don't know what's going to happen with this, but just be ready in case they don't invite you anymore or they don't bring you over anymore. But the but the but but they never said, "Do you feel free now that yeah, you talked yeah. about?" See, that's it. what that's what sometimes it's like. People can get so religious, mm-hmm. you know, and like forget about that. There's a person behind that. Yeah, like you nobody know? ever asked me, uh, "How can we help you?" Yeah. Nobody nobody ever said, do, "Do you feel relieved for finally telling somebody yeah. what happened to you?" It was more of a oh bro you've done it this time and and we're not responsible for the consequences rather than than finding out hey did you ever go to counseling did you ever talk to anybody about this how did you deal with the situation you know no no nobody's ever nobody's ever said here's here's an invitation so you can come and talk about that 
nothing. <laughs> yeah, and which is wild because th- there's so many questions that I want to ask you, but one of them, because I think this is the most important one, like I think it happens, it's still happening here in the church today. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it's something that should be talked about like uh, in the church? Like, Absolutely, and and people have asked me, if you can't, please don't talk about that. <laughs> because I've used my story at some point at youth camps, at uh, youth events, and and so every once in a while I'm like, hey, and so they literally ask me, we don't want you to talk about that, or we don't don't say anything, don't show your video, or don't say anything about it. And this is That's pastors funny. because the pastors are the ones that make the invitations, right? And so I'm not talking about the youth leader. The youth leader wants it because he knows that there's kids struggling with it, but then you get told, uh, you know, don't do this. You're ruining your ministry. You're closing doors to yourself, you know. But but the, I mean, I, if, if we if we were to go through my messenger uh, inboxes and you you could see the amount of people from from Russia to Ukraine to several countries in Europe, South America, Central America, saying, Pastor, this is my story. Pastor, you just said what I went through, Pastor. And people saying, I'm a pastor now, and I've never told anybody. Your story has given me the courage. Blah. I mean, just people that 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 did what I did. You went on to ministry. You did ministry, but you never healed it. You never talked about it. And then finally they hear a story and they say, you're you're the voice right. like you're the voice that that none of us had right you know you know but but that i'm sorry but it, it makes me angry like i understand it from the church perspective i understand what they're doing but it makes me angry because i feel like they would rather sacrifice the name you know of the church of the building of the um organization over people's uh, healing, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's and, and you've seen people. the video. The video is not graphic, it's not graphic of the of the abuse. It's actually very graphic of the of the freedom and deliverance. Yes. Come on. So the the video that I that I recorded, I made it a point, and I told them, look, I'm not here to to have a sob story. I'm here to tell people that there is hope. Yes. Like I I didn't figure it out. God figured it out for me. God was the one that or- orchestrated everything for me to understand that he can take that person and turn it into this person. Yes. And so my story is a witness, not of a, of, a, of an abused person. My story is a witness of the mercy and, and the power and the grace of God and how he restores and how he forgives and how he lifts up. And so it's incredible to me that people in the process of wanting to hear my message don't want to hear my story because they see the story. They don't see the message of hope that mm-hmm. comes with it. You know what I mean? You know, I, I love what you said. I heard you just recently speak and, and you said people that go through what you go through, um, there's a lot of outcomes and most of them are bad. Mm-hmm. There's like, it's, it's a rare for people come out of it, especially like having the story that you have where you end up like being successful in, in the ministry and doing what you do. A lot of them end up being, uh, abusers themselves, you know, yeah. go and hurt other people. And, a high uh, percentage of people that have been abused out of a response to the abuse become offenders. perpetrators themselves. Perpetrators. Yeah, yeah, offenders themselves. The other part uh, struggle with sexual identity. Uh, they struggle with uh, anger. They struggle with sex addiction. They struggle with pornography, which was one of my side effects of the whole situation. Uh, but, and, and it's interesting because you know, nowadays we struggle with this whole sexual identity thing, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little candid about this, and, and I hope we don't we don't get misinterpreted in the process. But I had identity questions, 
because I was abused by a man. And so I, I asked myself several times as I laid at night and I said, what is it in me? Do I look feminine? Mm-hmm. Do I have uh, uh, gestures? Do, do I attract men? Yeah. Like, but, but I want you to understand this. I never had this thoughts before this happened. Yeah. And, I wanna, I wanna, and I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. The reason I say this is because, because that's, the, that's the trick of the enemy. That's, that's what he does. Right. Once he gets you to that point where you suffer what I went through, then he, he opens up the playground and he sends all the thoughts and he sends all the, all the issues because that's how I ended up in pornography. Because then the enemy said to me, hey, show people you like women and not men. And so I took him to the extreme. To the, to the extreme. I ended up in pornography saying, this is what I like. I like to watch this type of stuff, right. you know? And, and, but at the same time, it was those moments of, of, of why was a man attracted to me? Why was a man desiring me sexually? And so the enemy just begins to throw all those thoughts into your head. And that's where all these people get confused. Yeah. And so my, when I mentioned this, and the reason I mentioned it to you that day is because I just want people to see that there are other outcomes that can happen from something like that. But but when when God, you know, when, when God gets in the middle, when God gets involved, when you allow God to get in the middle of it, then then that's when it turns into something different. Because my my process was I don't qualify to be a minister. But God is like, you don't qualify people for ministry. Mm-hmm. I qualify people for ministry. Come on. You know? Amazing. And so all I need is availability. Yeah. And so regardless of what your past is, God wants availability because the qualifying, he's the one that does it. And then the empowerment, he's the one that does it. And so here, here's this story of, of this, you know, 14, 15 year old kid who God is about to just blow it up into something in the future that I don't think God said, we're going to let this happen to Josue for this to become a great story. Right. God can make a great story regardless. The great, the great story could have been nothing ever happened to him. Yeah. But the enemy came. You know, the enemy came and right. he tried to interrupt. And and this is where I realize now, uh, and this is the part where I think I can, I can witness to. I think that the devil knew what God wanted to do with me because of all the preparation that had been happening before. Yeah. That he just kind of got in the middle and said, we got to stop this kid from becoming that person that God wants to, to to do with him. And so if we can destroy him as a child, we will stop him as mm. an adult. And God just said, you know what? He's mine as a child and he'll be mine as mm. an adult. Come on. You know? And so in the process, that Alistair Crowley, founder of the Satanic Church, one of their one of their things written in their in their book of rules and things right. that the satanic their church bible, does. their version of bible and and yeah and their bylaws basically like the thing it says if you want to ruin a person abuse them as a child and that's part of what they do like like that's part of what the enemy does that's part of his plan if you can get them as children if you can destroy them as children you'll destroy them as adults now the thing is I, I I look at the the, the statistics: homosexuality, per, being becoming yourself an offender, uh, sex sex addiction. Uh, a lot of times, having children all over the place, you know, right. and just dropping a kid everywhere with, you know, from 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 your teen years and stuff. All that stuff that is a result of all of that stuff. And I've learned throughout the years as I talk to people that their story was that every time, well, the majority of the time. 
that you find somebody struggle with sexual identity, that you find somebody uh, struggling with, with any kind of sex addiction, anything that has to do with lust. Uh, in Greek, the word is porneia, which is everything that derives from there is anything that is lustful. It has to do with a, with a sexual abuse as a child. And the majority of the times that I ended up talking to uh, somebody that is homosexual or somebody that, uh, that proclaims to be gay, and we sit down to an honest conversation, yep. when it comes down to the end, after I tell them, hey, look, man, I'm going to ask you a direct question. And I specifically say, who abused you as a child? Wow. You will be amazed at the amount of tears and broken hearts that I encounter when they say, who told you? And I'm like, nobody told me. And then I tell them my story. And then I said, look, man, I, I know where you've been. Yeah. I, I felt those things. I was attacked by the same thoughts, except that I didn't surrender to them. And I, I and instead of that, I had learned to surrender to God. And mm, literally my counselor throughout this whole process was the spirit of God, this wow. Holy Spirit. Because every time I was about to break, that's who I ran to. There was no psychology with us back in 95, 96. I mean, it was a sin to go to psychology, <laughs> you know, a counselor back in the well, day. Well, there's no better counselor, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he is our counselor. I saw a statistic somewhere, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, or, or I don't know if you know or not, but it's like one in five, I think, have been abused uh, when they're young. So that means like, Like, out of five people that we've met, you know, one of, them. one of them, yeah, has been abused. So, like, this is why I think these this story is important, and I don't think it can be said enough. I'm sure some people might have maybe have come up to you and be like, y you say that too much. You talk about that too much. No, 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 no. I don't think it could be said enough because mm -hmm. people are going through this, and, and, and they need to hear that this kind of story that they, like you said, they don't have to be a victim to it anymore, a slave to it. You know, they, they can be set free from it. They, they, they don't have to, you know, live the rest of their life, you know, feeling like they're dirty, feeling like. I can tell you this. I can tell you that the, that the amount of people that have been affected by it is more than we actually think. Uh, those numbers might be uh, Anglo numbers. <laughs> in, the, in the Latino culture, the numbers are a lot of times more astonishing than that. I can tell you that I could probably give you three names of three people you personally know that you admire that are victims of abuse. Wow. Because my story gave him the openness to come and talk to me and say, mm -hmm. and, and they didn't end up, they, they, they didn't end up in the, in the places uh, where, where you would think, but the struggle was the same. Right. You know, because we don't talk about that stuff. And then, and then the moment that that story comes out, the, the moment the video comes out, You know, there's not a lot of likes. It didn't go viral, but but the messages went viral. Yeah. Like nobody wants to give it a like because then they're going to be like, why did he like that video? Did he yeah. go through it? But my, I'm telling you, my inbox just blew up with pastors, pastors' wives, pastors' kids, uh, youth leaders. I mean, just tons of people that, that, that all of a sudden I'm like, why are you calling me? Well, of course, I knew why, but my point is, It was it was an amazing response to the people that were victims. See, right. the people that were not victims, they didn't they didn't ever text or call. Right. But the people that were victims, they were like, "Thank you for telling yeah. our story." Yeah. You know, thank you for saying this. I, you know, have all the children that I have because I went into a, a sex addiction when I was young. I have. You know, everything from drug addictions and stuff like that. I live that life. I, I'm in my third marriage because I can't, I'm not happy with relationships because of that. You know, issues and issues right. and issues and issues that we don't talk about. And, and 
it's interesting because it wasn't until I talked about it that I began to f feel the deliverance and the freedom from it because you have encapsulated all of this pain, all of yeah. this sorrow, all of this bitterness, all of these things inside of you. Nobody knows about it. That the moment that I, for the first time, I share my story and I say, look, this happened to me. I thought that it was going to be the most shameful day of my life and it became the most liberating day yeah. of my life. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that still try to make their relationships their their proof and point of life, but they're still broken on the inside mm. because I was that guy. Like mm. I was I was the guy that was broke. When, when I tell you that when they look for me for my second, I was going through another issue. I was going through a marital problem. Mm. And then it came to be that I realized that it was the abuse yeah. that brought the problems to my marriage. Yeah. I was taking it out of my wife from the pain that I was still carrying on the inside. And so here I am, you know, years down the road, married man. Everybody assumes I'm happy, but they don't know that what happened to me when I was 13 was making me talk to my wife the way I was talking to her because wow. I felt that I had to defend myself from everybody because nobody ever defended me. Mm. So I was calling her names. I was saying things to her. I was telling you don't understand. I was pushing her away. I was creating a gap between me and her because I am the savior of my soul and I am the savior of my life. I know Jesus. I am a teacher. I am a preacher. But you know what? This area of my life, the physical area of my life, I know how to handle. And so I think that a lot of people live that way, that they're going on second marriages, third marriages. A lot of times they're child abusers, physically speaking, because of the anger and the bitterness and all the stuff that they've been carrying that they they don't actually heal. And so if anybody's listening, talk about it. Yeah. Find somebody, you know, talk to somebody, uh, reach out through the means of the podcast or the yeah. or the or the YouTube uh, channel and 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 we'll, we can lead you the right way but but you got to come to a point of healing but because it's not until that point that you begin to live again right like you can perform and you can act like you're living but it's not until that moment of deliverance that like i remember when i went to bible school i told god i said look god i'm about to go into this thing that you called me to but i don't want to go in there with this with this mess yeah and i remember i sat down in my bedroom and i said look lord if you don't take this away from me School starts next week. I ain't going in. I don't want to be a, a hypocrite. I don't right. want to be a phony. And and I remember that I cried out to the Lord in my room that day. And and I just wept and I wept and I wept. And I said, Lord, take this away. And then God literally said, forgive him. And I was like, what? Yeah. You know, is, is that your best answer? You're not going to tell me, call the cops. You know, you're not going to tell me, turn his name in, right. you know? And and so God says, forgive him. And and I started saying, for what? But he's the one that did this to me. Like, like why, what do you want from me? And he's like, forgive him. And I don't, I'm not understanding what's happening. And you know, the Bible, when it says, how many times must you forgive? And the Bible says 70 times seven. Yeah. I, I think it was, at, you know, seven times seven is 49. So that's about 490. I think I was at, at 489 that night. Wow. Because it was that one moment when when I was like, okay, but if it doesn't work, I'm not going to Bible school. And I remember that I just opened up my mouth and I said, I forgive such and such. And I said his name. And I'm not I'm not concealing his name, not because I don't think he deserves to pay the price. I'm concealing the name because it's irrelevant to the to the story. Because that name could be any name. It could be right. any name for anybody. 
but it comes to that point where you release yourself from all that pain and anguish and 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 pain and and, and shame and all that stuff and so the moment that i say i forgive him seriously i'm not lying to you it was like something popped inside of me and the weight of the of the issue just dropped my 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 soul felt like it was like a cage that somebody came open the lock and the gates were like with the spring and all of a sudden they went bam, 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 you know wow. it just opened up i cried my mom came to the room and she said are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm good she doesn't know what's going on i am weeping i am telling god thank you Right. At this point, I'm saying, thank you. Before asking for forgiveness or saying, I forgive you, I was like, what are you asking this for me? And then it was that moment when I said that the, the deliverance came, that freedom in my life and my heart and, and, and all that stuff. And it just went away. Like it literally went away. And and I can't explain it to you because it's one of those Jesus moments. Right. I guess you could say one of those God moments. And, and it, it happened. I can't tell you how. I can't tell you that I saw an angel. I can't tell you that somebody came in and, and like Isaiah, you know, touched my lips yeah. with a cold. No, <laughs> it was just that moment. Do, do you think, uh, or was there ever a time where, you know, you were angry with God because of the situation, almost like resentful? No, you know what? You know what's crazy? I was angry at myself because I, I think I knew better. But that manipulation and the fear and all that stuff that the, that the people put on you is like you always know it's wrong. Like, you know, it's not supposed to happen. You always know that it's not. I mean, sin doesn't feel right no matter what sin it is. Mm. Like, it just doesn't feel yeah. right, you know, and, and you're doing it and you're pleasuring yourself in it, smoking, drinking, right. sex, you know, whatever. And you know it's wrong, but you still like you're like. Ain't nothing happened. You know, like, like I don't know if you remember when they used to tell you that you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that, and then you did it, and then it was like, well, nothing has happened yeah. yet, so I guess I can do it again, you know? And so it just, it was just that kind of situation where you know it's wrong, and I think the guilt and the, and the thing came more on myself. I was angry at myself. I was angry, number one, for not saying anything when it happened. Number two, for not saying anything after it happened. Listen to, listen to the power of manipulation. The night that the rape happened, the night that, that, that everything actually just was like the worst night of my life, I went to school in the morning and I called him from the public phone Wow! and I asked him not to tell my parents. I called him and said, please don't tell my mom and dad because they'll kill me if they find out. As if he was going to go and tell them what he did to me. Right. So like, I was like, please don't tell my parents. And he said, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to protect you. <laughs> and, and so see the, the power right. of the manipulation. So I think I was more angry at myself of not doing what was right. And then he just disappeared. Like one day I came back from school and he was gone. I think he started figuring out that he was going to get caught. They start, my parents started seeing me being distant from him because he used to take me to school. He used to take me to church. Wow. He used to take me to choir practice, music break. I didn't drive at the time. So he was my driver. So, you know, started with the hand and the knee. He started with the rubbing of the shoulder. Started with the, you know, you know, picking you up from school. Hey, how are you? And rubbing you in the head was, and then. He was a legit predator. Was, well, then later we found out. I Well, I don't know if we were officially found out, but. We believe, strongly believe that I think they sent him here to save his life from over there. 
Wow. So I was his next victim. Wow. You know, I, so I, I so they, the whole think thing they, is they, I kept silent. You think they knew he was a predator? I think the parents did. Hmm. Maybe not necessarily a predator, but maybe the first time that he got caught was then. And maybe the dad of that child wanted to kill him or whatever. And, and so they probably sent him to the U.S. to keep him far away because not everybody can come to the U.S. Right. So they sent him here and then I just happened to be his next victim. Do, do you think um, do you think parents, I mean, you're a parent now, like should have the conversation about sex? Like what do you think is a good age? Um, I had with my daughter, I talked to her about it at 10 uh like officially but then i i they'd seen my it's funny because they always seen my video and they would cry because i was crying but they never understood what it was mm. until they started growing up and everything and then with my son i i think they were both at the age of 10 uh that that we talked to them and i told them and then i i was very uh, different because i told them look i want you to know that there are people who are not well intentioned and i told them that's and good. that's when i finally told them what my video was about like i told them look I'm saying all of these things to you and I have this extra 20 set of rules <laughs> because people, including your, and, and I'm, I, this is what I said, Aunts, including uncles, your uncles, including my friends, including your mommy's friends, including the hermano from church that plays an instrument, he might be the one. Yeah. So you need to be careful from all of this. Yeah. I, um, growing up, I always remember our parents wouldn't let us go to people's houses. We mm -hmm. never knew why they, they would never tell us why. Cause again, we don't talk about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. They would just tell us, hey, like, I'm sorry you can't sleep over, like, so-and-so's house. Yeah. And you got a bed here, right? That's right, right. Exactly. Them. You know, and it was just, you know, one of those things where, for me, I thought it was, like, like danger in the sense, like, they were going to kill me or something like that. I was like, mom, like, it's fine. They're not, they're not going to, like, you know, kill me over there. Or I'm not going to, like, go do drugs over there. I'm not going to go do this or that. But And it's interesting you say that because suicide is one of the thoughts that crosses your head. Hmm. I thought about suicide. I thought about killing myself. What's going to happen when my family finds out? Yeah. What's going to happen when my parents find out? Nobody's going to want to marry me. Right. You know, because of all the things that sure. I've learned in the in the church. And so all that stuff. So suicide. And so it's funny that you say that right now and funny for lack of a better word, because w when you think about that, you, you said it's not that they're going to kill me at their house. But there are crimes that are greater than killing, because if you if they would kill you, it would it'd be it's over. over. Yeah. But, but when they do this to you, yeah. and they keep you alive, yeah, it's torture. You know, it's almost worse. You become dead inside. Mm. So what's next? Well, if the mind is dead, if the if the emotions are dead, kill the body. Yeah. So, and these are the things that I I, I talked to somebody one time and I said, look. Don't judge the person when they told you 20 years later. Understand why they didn't tell you until 20 years later. That's great. You know, That's it's, good. it's, it's, don't ask them, why didn't you say this before? Say, yeah. thank you for saying it now. Yeah, put like blaming them more, like as if they need more shame. Correct. Like, oh, you're like, like, oh, I'm sorry it happened <laughs> to you, but you know, why, why did you say it until now? You know? And so, and so you, you're, you go through the situation, you're still alive, you're supposed to keep on smiling. You know, your parents want to know. And, and it's funny because they then it's like, oh, take a picture with him. <laughs> and you're like, that's the person that I want to be the furthest away from. 
but because we don't talk about this stuff right. because we don't say this stuff you know all, all this all these things happen and 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 then we judge and then we're like well why didn't you say that i had a person that said you must have liked it because you didn't say anything about it oh yeah but yeah yeah sure that's exactly what it yeah. was i really loved it and so that's why i didn't say anything it's, about it it's, <laughs> it's people that are clearly like not right like they're almost dumb for the lack of a better word you know yeah. I, I try to be respectful but it's just like it's, come it's on ignorance of, it's of ignorance of the, Thank you, the, the you know, right it's, word it's ignorance of the ignorance. situation and so i just i just want to say to parents of children that come up to you and tell you that you, they were abused i want to talk to the children who have never said anything the, the young person the the, the 20 something year old that yeah. that college and career guy that thinks that another degree is going to heal the process it's not yeah. You know, and, and my message with all of this is you can only find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, you can only find it at the moment where you come to peace, not even with yourself. Because a lot of people say, well, have you forgiven yourself for it? I don't have the power to forgive. The only one that has the power to forgive is, is God, is Jesus. And so I even if you forgive yourself, quote unquote, it's not going to heal you because you still haven't been forgiven by the only mm. one who can forgive. Come on. And so the moment you come to, because we're talking about the, this is what I tell people. I didn't look for the abuse, but I did sure did look for the other stuff that came with the abuse, which was the pornography was the, 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 the living a double life. I chose that because I decided that I was going to live a church a kid life with a couple of worldly life and continue to live both characters at the same time. And then I had to come to the terms with God that regardless of the healing he had to do in me or he, that I wanted him to do not cause he didn't have to, but the healing that I wanted him to do in me came with a good share of repentance hmm. because I, I can't blame God for the feeling of something but I can blame myself for acting on that feeling, right. Right. whatever it is. I can't blame. I can't say, God, I am a sinner because I thought about drinking. But I can sure say I was a sinner because I chose to drink. Right. But let's go deeper. I, I'm, I'm not guilty for feeling gay, but I am guilty for acting upon it. Mm. I can't, I'm, I, I'm not guilty for feeling like murdering somebody. But I am guilty for acting upon it. Right. So thinking about it, being attacked with the temptation is not the sin, is acting on it. So even though I didn't look for the abuse, I did look for the pornography. Mm -hmm. And so now I have to be accountable for my actions. But together with that, I have to ask for forgiveness, right. not because I was raped, but because I chose to look for pornography as a healing method for my rape. Right, right. You know? That's good. That's good. I, I think, you know, it, you know, hearing your story... Uh, and they could be about anything, man. It's it's not always just sexual abuse, but it just goes to speak to like the human condition, to our vulnerability, our susceptibility. Mm -hmm. And for me, it just makes me, you know, break. I mean, even like thinking within myself, you know, I didn't go through something like that, but I know my vulnerabilities. I know how susceptible I am to, you know, whatever passions, you know, mm -hmm. that are, that the world has to offer. And it just makes me like almost kind of break a little bit because, you know, and just feel for people in general, just because, you know, like we fall victim, you know, to this world, to, to yeah. the things that the world has to offer. And well, the world is fallen. 
we have to remember that that the world the the the, the earth is right. is a fallen world you know and we live in this fallen world but to this fallen world came a living god amen you know and and to this fallen world came a, a message of hope and and so the the thing is we weren't left in the state of 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 uh, of sin we were given now the opportunity to get out of that yep. we were given now the opportunity to 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 say you know what i repent from all those things that i did and and that is the message that i try to portray with the story i don't right. i tell people i'm not trying to tell you a, a, a sad right. you know have pity on me i'm trying to tell you look man i was in the deepest hole and i don't know like i said uh, on thursday i don't know what's worse if murder is worse than rape and rape is worse than divorce and divorce is worse than uh, than drugs but what i can tell you that regardless of which one it is God can find you there and there is hope. And, yeah. and if God turned my life around, like now that, like I remember when my video came out, I had this one message from this one lady. She was really sweet to me. And, and like, like she was just like, I just watched her story and she told me some of the things that she had experienced as a child. And she goes, I always admire your message and I always admire your ministry. And I always love the way you preach. Mm. She goes, but now I understand where it comes from. Right. Yeah. And and this is the part where, where, where scripture says it is when you are weak that you are strong. Because we right. become strong. Perfection comes across as through the through the strength that God gives us. And and then she said this to me. She goes, I used to admire your message because I just love the way you preach. She goes, but now that I know your story, your message just took a right. whole lot of dimensions. Like right. now she's like, I don't, I don't see how you do it. Right. And so that gave me an opportunity to tell her it's not me, right. but now you know where my passion comes from. How could I stay quiet from a God that saw what happened to me, that the enemy wanted to destroy me and made me make me another one of those outcomes that we mentioned earlier. And that among all of the things that I went through and among all of the things that I experienced, God says, I want to choose you for ministry. And so how am I going to how am I going to get up there and say, you know what? I didn't study, but I'm just going to give you this. <laughs> or, or how am I going to go up there with that passion? Right. I know mercy. Right. I know forgiveness. I, I lived it. I experienced it. So you know what? You can't shut me up. Yeah. And, and what you call radical, I call, you know, just thankful. Thank because I could be that guy. I could be in prison. I could be a, a person struggling. I could be a murderer. I could be any of those things. I could be an angry person. And and what am I? I am a minister. I am a father. I am a husband. I I I I lead people to Christ just about every week. I mean, except for COVID weeks, but I still <laughs> did online services. But my point is, how can I just stay quiet when such a great love and mercy has been shown to me and so my message like i like i say in the video i just want people to know that there is hope right. i just want people to know that no matter how deep and dark things look god can restore you god can bring you out god can put you in a place where you i mean think about this bro this kid that went through all of this then all of a sudden i remember the the first night when when they announced me as youth director the first time Remember I told you that the, the brother Rosa had said, your decision to serve me will make mm -hmm. a difference in thousands of people down the road. And I remember that they called me and they said, brother Josue Padilla, come forward to the stage. And I came forward. The, four, the previous youth director was there. Brother Pagan comes up on, on stage and he says, well, we want to thank Augie for this, blah, blah, blah. And then they say, we want to announce to you that our new youth director, you know, and 
at that moment when he was our new youth director, it was like at the movies, you know, like uh, where, where everything just goes quiet. Wow. And the only thing that I heard was your decision to serve me will make a difference in thousands of people down the road. Wow. It's true. Two years later, I'm standing. And when I look up after that moment, when I, I asked, I asked because I was like, I want to know that this is legit. I asked, I said, how many people were there on Saturday at the at the Youth Congress? They told me 1,500 people. Wow. And I said, okay, so God did fulfill it. Because mm. here I am in front of 1,500 people. And my decision that I made at that camp that one day now has me in front of 1,500 people. And the many thousands that I've been before. And the many views on the videos right. online. And all the stuff. Because, because I... Not because I was perfect, but because I was available. Right. And the moment I became available, then God said, okay, now that you're available, I can do with you what I need to do with you. I love it. I think that's what some of us need to understand, that sometimes God's just looking for a yes. You know, right. it doesn't matter, like, you know, your qualifications, your ha your past, you know, um, your decisions that you've made, whatever. Like, it's just, he's just looking for you to say yes. If you'll mm -hmm. say yes, he'll take your yes a lot further than you could ever then, take, yes. you know, any, a lot further than you can take your no. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go, man. You Let's, know, you I, I, I just, I just, I just so believe in that. And like I said, uh, you know, I, the story is sad. I mean, people tell me, well, why do you cry if you already forgave and you already, <laughs> well, because it happened. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you cry because things happen to you, you know, and stuff like that. That's like ignorant again. It, it, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like I'm if sorry, you say, why are you crying for your mom if she's in heaven? Yeah. Well, because she's dead. <laughs> that's, yeah. You know, that's why. But, you know, it, it's it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. I've been able to uh, be, you know, in national conventions. I've been able to preach in Peru and Colombia and Ecuador and Guatemala. Uh, I've been able to, to just minister through different youth camps be able to share my story share the gospel uh you know just preach of the right. power saving grace of god you know and and that's that's you know a lot of people tell me well is that so, so what's your job i was like that's my job like that's i've taken that to to preach be, the gospel you know I mean, that's that's it and i love like i mean i was listening to you again on thursday i uh, just recently and you know you're more than just like your story. Like I, I love like what you were saying. A lot of what you were saying, like so resonated in my heart. Um, I love that, you know, you were saying how, um, you know, what's going on with the messages now, nowadays, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't know. Like I'm worried about this generation, man, because this generation picks up their theology from our songs. Mm. Like they, they say a phrase, Oh, like so-and-so said in their song or like the, whatever song from this band. And I'm like, your doctrine shouldn't come from your songs. Your mm. doctrine should come from the word, from Amen. the Bible, you know, from, from scripture. Songs are inspired, many of them. Some of them are not, <laughs> so, you know, but songs <laughs> yeah. are inspired. They are to, to, to lift up your soul, but they are not saving grace. Mm. You know, word, the Bible yeah. says that, that it would be by the word. You know, faith comes by hearing the hearing of the word. Now, if it's a word-based song, I don't know if you remember the, the songs from the past. I'm going to do this one that's in Spanish and in English. Okay. But listen to the theology of the song. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and da, 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 all my sins were washed away. Look, look, look at, we're talking about a cross. We're talking about sins. We're talking about the, the need of them being washed away. And it was there I first 
I received the sight. Sorry, you know, okay. that's what it says. Fue ahí por fe yo vi a Jesús. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then it says, and then from that point on, I was happy forever. Right. You know? So listen to the theology of that song is, there is salvation, but it's only through the person of the cross. And it was only until I received the, the washing of the blood, you know, now you get churches where you go and they say, please don't say the blood. Don't say this. Don't yeah. say because we, we want to be seeker friendly. We want to be, you know, visitor friendly. But that's what that's what saves us. That's yeah. what cleanses us, you know. And, and, and then a lot of our songs and I'm not going to get into it right now because we probably go another hour. Yeah. But it's just. You know, you you got to you got to get it from the Bible. You can't get it from theology. I mean, even even worship leaders tell you, don't listen to us. Listen to God. Listen to what the word. I want to read the scripture with you real Please. quick, because notice what it says here. Formerly, when you did not know God, it says you were slaves to those who by nature are not God. It says, but now that you know God or rather known by God, this how is it that you're turning your back to those weak and miserable forces. Mm. What would be of me if I would have experienced all that grace and all that, you know, just blessings and then just give in to those weak forces again and say, you know what, this is what, what the, what the cards were dealt to me, you know, that's yeah. what people say. And I would go back to the scripture saying, look, if when you didn't know God, you were doing all these things and you were now that you know him or, or more now that God knows you, how are you going to go back and give yourself into all this sinful ways, into all this lustful desires, into all this, you know, drug desires, into all this sexual immorality? Yeah. So the question is, where where do you find yourself? On what side of the cross do you find yourself? Mm. Remember algebra? Remember that in algebra, when there's a negative number and you transpose it to the other side of the equal sign, then it becomes a positive number? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with us. We mm. might be a negative in life. But the moment we are, we come across the other mm. side of what come makes on. us equal, which is the cross. Come on. Anything that was negative becomes a positive. Mm. That's good. You know, so it's not a plus sign. The cross is the equal sign. That's the place where Jesus paid the price, forgave our sins. And anything that you have negative in your life, as soon as you come across the other side and you receive that, then now you're a positive number. Mm, that's good you know and so if it makes any reference to anybody through algebra maybe no. if you're if you're not passing it i'm sorry but <laughs> but now you right. just learned something no that's tweetable i, I might even steal it from you <laughs> but uh was that uh that verse was that paul speaking yes yes uh this is galatians 4 galatians uh verse 4. 8 mm. galatians 4 verse 8 uh, that that's someone who you do want to like quote or yeah. like build your theology yeah, he's from. quotable yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely like you know <laughs> he's pretty quotable someone that like because i feel like nowadays we want to you know quote some songs or yeah. we want to quote you know a preacher i mean you whatever. have to remember who paul was he was a murderer mm. and and then and then he's now saying this hey look formerly you did not know god that was him yeah. that was his story you know, and then you find him in, 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 in Timothy, take, talking to Timothy, and he says, I know in whom I have believed. Mm -hmm. Like, in other words, I was the guy that persecuted that guy, yeah. but now I believe in him. Mm -hmm. Like, now I've encountered him, and I've, and I've gotten to know him, and I know in whom I have believed. I don't think a lot of our young people can actually say that. No, and I wish, you know, I wish we could continue, but I think we're uh, a little over an hour, yeah. and we usually shoot for an hour. But here's what we'll, we'll do is if you're enjoying this, I want to continue it in Spanish and um, see if we can go a, a little longer. And uh, before I, before I, I switch over to Spanish, um, will you uh, 
let them let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, you can. Uh, most of the platforms is just my name, Josue Padilla. Okay. So you can find me on uh, well on YouTube. You can find us under J Padilla, which is just my initial. So youtube.com slash J Padilla. Okay. On Twitter is Twitter slash Josue Padilla. On Instagram is uh, Instagram. Uh, that one because of the platform I changed it is Rev J W P, okay. like Reverend J W P, but it's R E V J W P. And then uh, you can find us on Facebook under Josue Padilla also, if you're a Facebook person. I'm, yeah. On Snapchat, I'm Josue Padilla 1. Oh, <laughs> yeah, on Snapchat too. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I'm definitely on Facebook still, so I, yeah. I'll de- I'm actually already, I've already added you. Yes, me. yes, I have accepted it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so thank you guys for watching. And uh, again, uh, hopefully you'll tune into the Spanish version as well. So God bless. Bless.